I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome, everyone, uh, to another edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts. I'm Tom Urch Jr., and as always, I'm joined by Mike Murphy. Mike, we have real hockey to talk about. We do, but first, uh, I had French toast sticks for dinner in an air fryer. My brother, Connor, got me an air fryer for Christmas. I gotta tell you, it's a brand new world for me. You get really? Crispy, so you get that's crispiness. something I've not tried in an air fryer. Oh, yeah. Frozen French toast sticks, just like shitty ones. But if you throw them in, they only take like three or four minutes. And then they're all crispity, yummy yums. You put a little, put a little syrup on those MFers. And then uh, you get a fork or a similar eating utensil. Then you consume them um, in a measured way so you don't choke. And don't don't block your, uh, your breathing passage, your air passage. And uh, delectable is the word I would use. But anyway, hockey happened. Um, or in some places hockey happened, Tom, because we're seeing a lot of delays and postponements. And <laughs> Who would have thought? No one saw this coming, uh, that not doing this in a bubble would be problematic. Um, yeah, but it's fun. Uh, the Rangers played like absolute dog shit in the first game. And everyone was like, this shit's hit the panic button. It's over. And then they won. The next game, and also, oh, by the way, Tony D'Angelo got scratched uh, because he had a really rough game, and he also got, what was it, a misconduct penalty for being a naughty boy? It was two penalties. It was the holding penalty, and then he, I think he said something to the ref, and then he also slammed the penalty box door, yeah, which, you don't in slam. an empty arena, you're going to get flagged, uh, so... Yeah, and Quinn was not a fan of that, and he's had these conversations with Tony before, and lo and behold, he misses game two, misses game three, but sounds like he'll be in for game four uh, against Pittsburgh. I, re- I want an NHL refs to have a little flag they can pull like an NFL ref that is just like, you cross the line, you're being a naughty boy no more. Because I feel like... It would make me feel better if they had like a beautiful purple little flag they could pull out. And like once you see that, everyone just stops and like, uh oh, somebody crossed the line. It's out of hand. Well, I yeah, I mean, I wish more refs were like Wes McCauley, where he'll actually turn on the microphone and he'll call out the penalty and everything. So it's it's really it's stopping everything down. And it's like, all right, this person is in the box two minutes high sticking or whatnot. Um, two minutes, you can't do that. I, I just my think, all-time favorite. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, exactly. Yup, you can't do that. You can't do that. Uh, <laughs> we forgot what the penalty is. It's not in the rule book, but we know you can't do what that guy just did. Um, yeah, it, it is interesting though that Tony looks like he had a short leash, uh, especially because wow, like Tom, we talked about this with the guys from Blue Shirts Break, but like uh, the the Jack Johnson experiment, as it were has been exactly what we all really predicted, right? It's, we all knew this was coming. We all knew it was a headache. We all were like, you know, we got our Excedrin ready and we were so, we were prepared for what was going to unfold. But it, uh, it's still a headache. And I think it's, if it's not like completely obvious to the Rangers coaching staff, what's going on with Jack Johnson now. I, I really don't know what to say. I hope against hope that there'll be some action taken. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Anyway, I know hope you had a whole a structure dangerous for the thing. show. Yeah. Hope can be a dangerous thing. That's right. You had a whole structure planned for the show and I talked about French toast sticks and I ruined the whole thing. So go ahead. No, that's perfectly fine. French toast sticks are perfectly acceptable commentary on this podcast why because it's our podcast and we do whatever the fuck we want um how come, how come sugar it was a little aggressive but you know what i mean and um how, but how yeah sugar, sugar i mean I, sugar in all the breakfast food you got like muffins are sugary you got french toast sticks that are sugary it's all like uh, you're like well, a belgian I, waffle you put powdered sugar on the goddamn waffle you don't do that for lunchtime there's no well, lunchtime sugar. Well, there can be some things depending, but I think it's like you want to wake up in the morning and you want give your body some things to feed on and burn. And uh, so sugar is the, you know, method of choice uh, for, for getting you ready to go. Whether it's some people, it's, you know, a cup of coffee, you know, some people, some, some Red Bull or a Diet Coke or, oh, you God. know, just gets, gets the blood the flowing. The absolute animal that drinks a Red Bull to start the day. Good God. That was my friends in high school. Um, oh, God. That or the um, the tall boys of Monster. Um, and, yeah, there are a lot of, lot of questionable things that I look back on. It's like, wow, that, that, was, that was a thing just, that was done. It just, it's just what a growing mind wants and needs is uh, just... <laughs> A near narcotic level of caffeine yeah it was wonderful um yeah i mean speaking of narcotics like snorting smarties off you know a desk you know just typical yeah, it's, it, it's a memory that hijinks. stays with me stays with me forever there was like an anti-drug day in my high school and it was like be a smarty don't do drugs and in my homeroom uh there's someone i remember his name i'm not going to say his name but he had the bright idea of crushing up the smarties uh, dividing them into lines with like you know a ruler you would keep in like a pencil pouch like a pencil case and then doing a line of smarties powder <laughs> as like you know this i'm a rebel look at me do this and i was like that's ridiculous and then like four other kids did it and i was like yeah, this society is not gonna we're not gonna get very far i don't think any of them were particularly good students it should come as no surprise but um yeah i don't know how we're talking about snorting smarties but here we are what are your what was your want to start with game one what were your takeaways from game one other than uh oh 
So my takeaways from game one were pretty much, wow, the lack of a preseason uh, really does have somewhat of an impact because it just was, and again, like, not an excuse because the Islanders were firing in all, all cylinders. And again, they're a team that went to the Eastern Conference final. But the Rangers just looked, like, out of sync. It's it's like when you're watching a video on your phone with bad cell service and the video is moving faster than the sound. And it's just so out of sync that... It's not like, you know, enough to, to cause you a headache, but you know that something is not right here. And it's just, if only we could bridge this tiny gap so much. Um, and it was understandable. Like, obviously, a lot of emotions. You have Lafreniere as a number one pick. He's playing in his first game. You have, it's the first game in forever for uh, Shesterkin, um, who, uh, had a lengthy layoff obviously because he did not play much um in the return to play um so you you obviously have that but i i think there were obviously moments you can look on and then when they played the islanders again in game two it's like okay this kind of makes a little bit more sense they got their legs under them a little bit they are starting to you know get into to the swing of things but yeah, yeah game one it was just like okay Stopping i would us. expect this in a in a preseason which a lot of people you know making the joke man glad that they got the preseason game out of the way now the real fun starts but um with only 56 games it's to be expected and anyone who's watching other games across the league or just looking at box scores you had a lot of games all over the place i, I like Almost every game I want to feel like um, opening nights, rather, for teams, like, was over the puck line. So it was just offense, 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 and not so much defense. Yeah, it was It was just a real cluster to me. It reminded me of, like, when you go to a drive through and they put the burger on, like, the bun, and it's way off the mark, and, like, the cheese has fallen out, and it's just a goddamn debacle, but you know you have to eat it anyway. We just had to get that one out of the way. You know, it was a goddamn mess. There's sauce all over our hands, but we're we're kind of stuck with what we're stuck with. I felt like in that first game in particular, I was like, ah, oh, geez, poor Igor, right? <laughs> like the amount of times he was left out to just dry and it looked bad. And like it, what's interesting to me about the two losses in particular is in the first game, like Matthew Barzell just roasted the Rangers. And then in game three with the Devils, like, uh, how good did Hughes look? Good, like, good God. And it was maybe like, oh, maybe that's part of this is, like, these players that have this high upside and skill are kind of thriving when, when everyone's kind of getting into gear a little bit. Because, you know, it's it wasn't just a case of game two, like, the bounces or whatever went the Rangers' way. Like, I was enthused to see the offense wake up, and I've been really, really in love with how great Buchnevich has been playing he's been just like oh man it's everything you've ever hoped to see out of Buch. like he's doing making all these plays yeah, who could have predicted um <laughs> but he he's already looked so good and like uh i love that like you know phil giuseppe has like two primary assists at five on five um and all these other things that are going on but i'm also like capo caco got a goal early 
Now Filipino has a goal early. Those are all good things. I know Lafreniere is still searching for a point. That's fine. Um, and I really have been overall really pleased with how Keandre Miller has looked. Um, and I know a lot of people, I know Adam brought up like on Twitter with Jacob Truba saying like, you know, we're getting really close to this Jacob Truba contract being like an unmitigated disaster. And you see Truba make some plays and you're like, all right, yeah, this is what we were after. And then you see him like the turnover he had. Uh, I think it was him who turned it over uh, to where like Hughes blocked his shot. And then he had the the breakaway goal. And like, you, you look at plays like that and you're like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> what, what are we in for here? But overall, I'm not taking too much away from like what we've seen so far because like bottom line, it's three games. I know that three games means more in a shortened season than it would in an 82 game season, but I'm, you know, uh, you, you can either choose to be like, wow, the Rangers had a five to nothing shutout. That's awesome for Georgia. And then, oh, look at how they played against the Devils or look at how they played against the Islanders in game one. It's a bit of a mixed yeah, bag. It's... It's, it's up and down. It's going to it's gonna take some time to kind of level the ship. But also, this three games, if it's told me anything, it tells me that I had a very good idea about what this year was going to be like. Because you, we're seeing this all over the league, where a couple of teams that are supposed to be strong are like kind of floundering and playing kind of crappy. And, you know, like you said, you can really see all the warts with, without the preseason play. Like all these, every team is just trying to get their legs under them and get moving. Yeah, because it's weird, and a um, couple things that from there, like the Truba thing is also, like I'm eventually going to revisit, and I was meaning to do this, I want to say, over the summer, but obviously, you know, stuff happened with the return to play being during the summertime, and then you know being off and all that stuff. Um, but it's it's just bizarre how, and obviously they're two different players in different ages, but you have like Shattenkirk who comes here, gets hurt. He's never really ever fully able to heal and get back to a rehab standpoint. Leaves, goes to Tampa, and it's obviously great. Um, Truba has a career year in Winnipeg. And he finally gets the security of being in an environment where he knows he's going to be there long term, where yeah. previously it had been all this, oh, will is Winnipeg going to trade me? Will Winnipeg trade me? And it just hasn't worked out. And it's not so much that like the instincts, but but like he does look really slow. And it's just kind of weird for someone who, yeah, they're getting older, but is still young. Um but yeah, I definitely want to relook at that. And the other thing in terms of it's weird. Um, you mentioned Buchnevich. He's off to a decent start. The KZB line as a whole, five on five, has been a little underwhelming. Like I'm looking just yeah. you know quickly here. And expected goals around the 40s. Possession, same thing. But then you have guys like Heedle. Um, expected goals, 72.87. His, you know, Corsi 4 percentage is 67%. Um, even Lafreniere, uh, you know, expected goals, 51. Possession, 56.53. Uh, like, you have these guys who are p posting 
decent underlying numbers, getting their chances, but just aren't getting getting the points. And I think it'll be interesting to see how soon it takes Quinn to get real um, with some of the line combinations. It's, it's interesting because as I was driving home from work, I was listening to Puck Soup, and they were talking about you know the divisions and how the how each team has played so far and um you know the one comment was posed by uh Greg Wisinski was when does the the flames start to get turned up you know just a smidge on David Quinn you know he's entering year 3 and what he said made a lot of sense it's that yes the rangers are rebuilding but every rebuilding team reaches a point where they are building something and they get to that point where they need to transition from rebuilding team to starting to take things to the next level. And yeah. is he going to be the guy? And obviously it were again, it's three games into his third season. It's only going to be a 56 game season. Um, but I think what sometimes people confuse it's and you know whether it's people complaining about oh why are people complaining about the lines why are people complaining about time on ice it's the underlying things that we're looking at whether it's Howden gets bumped up for something versus Heedle um Jack Johnson being used in situations looking like Smith is going to be the odd man out versus Pittsburgh. It's just time and time and again a disconnect between the abilities of the players and what their output is. And that can stagnate a rebuild because ultimately speaking, and we talk about this I feel like every year around the trade deadline, that the real contenders, they try to take care of business a little bit before the deadline as opposed to on deadline day because they have playoff aspirations and they want to get their line set so that by the time puck drops in game one of the playoffs. They do it in the build-up to deadline day. They're normally among Mm -hmm. the teams who make the first deals because they have a very good idea of what they want. They go out and get it. You know, they, they know... In many ways, it's ironic because they end up setting like what the market price is for some guys. But they're also in a position where like we're not going to wait and we're not going to be the team that misses out on what they want when we're a contender. We know what we want. We know what we're willing to pay. What What do you want? And if the deal's there, they make the deal. And then that's when you know all the other horses come out of the gate and we're off and running. Yeah. And, you know. Like we said, you know, I'll, probably the last time I say it because I don't speak, I won't want to beat a dead horse. It's been three games, but part of it is this season, it is only 56 games. And before you know it, based on how the schedule is, you can get down a road where you are losing time. And um, obviously, I'm not saying that the Rangers are going to win a Stanley Cup this year, but you've seen freaky shit happen before. And. Like, I I think it was Adam who said, I think it was the last podcast, that you look at, just on a pure talent perspective, what the Rangers have, both in established players and -and up-and-comers, and all it takes is to hit a stride and maybe another team gets knocked out, 
and you literally have no idea um, what could happen. So by almost holding back their potential progress um, by trying to figure out, yeah, can we get Brett Howden going? Yeah, um, we want to see more of Ryan Strom in this slot on the power play, not so much Capocacco. Um, it, it's, it is a little bit alarming is the word I would say. Like, Not that I am losing sleep on it, not that uh, I'm making any long-term evaluations of it, but it's something like, okay, let's see how long this goes, and just something to monitor yeah it is something to monitor like we we can ask ourselves like how much should we read into three games right but in those three games we can see a lot of trends that are eerily familiar to things we've seen in the past and i think that's what we're we've been seeing so far in terms of you know who gets moved up in the lineup um when we see like hey this line was really going like the line with kids and then they're just not getting ice time things like that are very hard to wrap your head around, especially, you know, it's like, well, you know, what are the underlying numbers? Well, the underlying numbers say the Rangers might be missing something. What do the optics say? The optics say the same thing, right? So we look at, we look at what's gone on so far and we see a lot more of the same that we have seen. And it's not great. <laughs> and, um, but you know, I'm, I came into this year. I didn't think this would be a playoff team. And what I just want to see this year is all these kids, all these young guys. Um, and then like the young guys plus Truba is the way it works in my brain. I want them all to just develop and get comfortable and fit nicely into their roles and what's expected of them. And then we see where it goes from there. Cause this is just such a tough goddamn division to, to have to be one of the top four teams in this division is not going to be easy. No, and it's it's not going to be because you you have like and we've talked about this in our roundtable. You have it's weird. You have a weird assortment of teams. You have obviously the teams who have won and are you know going on a bit of a downswing potentially. Um, your Washingtons, your Boston's, and you have the Rangers and Devils who are on a rebuild, but trying to transition out of rebuild into um, playoff team. Yeah. The Islanders who went to the, the conference final. Um, you have Pittsburgh. And then you have... You could kind of group in yeah, that first group. Yeah. yeah, true. Although I think their decline... Is a little weird, more though. accelerated. Like, yeah. Yeah, especially since like their the strength of that team is tied to how far can Crosby and Malkin take us. Um, yeah, exactly. and they've also had some injury luck. Um, but then and then lastly, you have the Flyers, who they they look to me like they could be the favorite in the division just because they look so of the assemblage. Really. Yeah, and again, it's Elaine Vigneault early on who we can see be successful, not so much, uh, you know, in the later years, as we all well know. Yeah. I think Kevin Hayes has five, five on five points right now. I forget, but yeah, it's very like I had the flyers as the darling of the division before anything started, just because one, I believe in Carter Hart. And two, I think a lot of people are sleeping on how good 
like Konecki, Konecki is and then like looking at the overall talent that's there it's like yeah their top six is really quite good they also have some really good D even with all the headaches they have with the uh, Gossip Spear and everything so it's interesting to me that this is how it pans out and then the other team that you didn't touch on of course is Buffalo which is a team that got like maybe I mean, it would be a stretch to say they're the most improved team from last season in the entire league just because of what they were able to put together with the Eric Stahl trade and then, of course, landing Taylor Hall, right? And, yeah, I mean, Buffalo's going to... You don't know what you're going to get out of Buffalo, but the problem is you still have a lot of teams the Rangers need to be better than, and they don't really look better than any of them. So that's where we are right now. Yeah, let's take an ad break, um, and uh, after that, we will talk a little bit more about games two and three and whatever else we decide to. So uh, we will be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. everybody we're back from the break and as i look on twitter the nhl has fined the washington capitals a hundred thousand dollars for violating covid protocols uh, for player violations of the protocols which involve social interactions among team members who were in close contact and were not wearing face coverings um so congratulations washington you played yourself uh we're trying to operate <laughs> without a bubble and like here's the thing right um we obviously all expected there to be positive covid tests we expected it it's just it's unavoidable by yeah. virtue well yeah even if you're following all the right things you're traveling in pro- close proximity um you're relying on all disinfecting efforts being 100% effective you're going to have some th- slips through the cracks but you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, and like not wearing a mask is a really basic thing. And 
it's just selfish to a lot of other people. And like I think of the AHL, who um, Larry Brooks wrote a really good story about what's going on and how there are a lot of players um, who they don't know if they're going to be able to continue playing because it's just not financially viable, which obviously is something you covering women's hockey would understand all about the the things that players go through. Um, So to have a team like Washington just disregard protocols, um, it's kind of fucked up and selfish. And um, I forget who it was, but I think in um, one of the promotional pictures, like it was like a game day thing. Like we see whenever the Rangers come into the arena, like they show and all the things. Um, I think it was like Alex Ovechkin is wearing um, like a neck gaiter, which is technically not one of the approved um, face coverings. Now, obviously, for all we know, he could have a mask underneath and that, um, you know, covering over it. Um, but again, and like we don't want to harp too much on this, just wear fucking masks. Um, it's really one of the simplest yeah. things that you That's- can do. All you got to do is wear a fucking mask. Um, like I, I always get a kick out of seeing coaches behind the bench. Uh, I think uh, watching a game, uh, Penguins game, like Mike Sullivan was guilty of it. I, I don't recall David Quinn doing it, but I may have missed it. Where we saw it all the time in the NFL, Tom, is when a coach is leaning over to say something to one of his assistants behind the bench or on the sidelines. They mm-hmm. will take their mask and pull it out of the way. And then talk to the assistant coach just without the mask on. And it's one of those things where it's like, when we all first started wearing masks, yeah, we did things like that because it was it, it was something we were adapting to. But how do you still do that at this stage? Like, how do you still not understand? You can speak through the mask. You can. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's these little things where I, whenever I see things like that, I'm just like, oh, Jesus, we're in for such a long, such a long, short season. <laughs> it's, and like, yeah, we, we keep seeing these postponed games. And, you know, for the most part right now, the strategy seems to be to tack on games at the end of the schedule. And like, you know, it makes sense because of how condensed the schedule is. Like, that's one of the things we talked about leading into the season. But if we keep adding on all these games at the end of the season, like the, at some point you have to ask, like, are we going to delay the playoffs or we can delay things and, and make things a mess. And yeah, I don't think the NHL can be too happy with how things have started. Uh, I know that it's like a lot of people compared what they're doing to like what major league baseball tried to did where it's like, tried to do not try to did. Um, we're, it's like, yeah, we're just going to kind of figure shit out as we go along. And to the surprise of no one, it's not a good strategy to figure shit out as you go along with with the pandemic and health protocols. Yeah, speaking of which, it's a really um, dumb idea if you are the one NHL team that is yet to play a game this season, say to your fan base, hey, oh uh, single tickets are on sale. Uh, dumbass Dallas stars like come on really it's one of those things it's a it's you would think it's a parody right like you think it's an onion article (laughs) it's you really we're really gonna sell tickets you haven't even been able to play a game 
Oh, okay. Yeah, it, I mean... How cute. Yeah, we have to... These are all the this, this shit we have to kind of swallow. And it comes back to, like, everyone who says, you know, just... There are plenty of people saying it, too. It's like, why are we doing this? We shouldn't do this. I want hockey back. We all love hockey. We all love sports. But we shouldn't be doing this. And at the end of the day, those people are right. Like, if, if you look at it from the most objective standpoint, and, like, you, even if you weigh it against, like, yeah, but look at what the sport's potential to do good and how important it is, like, for people's mental health and routines to have sports. And it's like, yeah, but we're essentially telling players and every like we're subjecting them to risks by endorsing this and their teams are subjecting them to risks and they're subjecting each other to risks by making bonehead decisions like we saw with Washington like it's just this this awful situation where there's no comp- like you cannot pass this this video game level with 100% completion right you can't collect all the stars on this level we're not going to get there this at best is just going to be we we got to the end and we lost you know, a lot of the coins we could have got in, in which cases, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully no one gets devastatingly sick or much worse, heaven forbid. Um, and yeah, I didn't expect us to spend this much time talking about it, but it is, it's a story. Like this is a big story that like, if you're a Dallas stars hockey fan right now, this is the only story that matters to you. And if this was inside the East division, uh, we would be talking about it a lot more because it would, uh, like when something like this happens with the way the schedules work, you have to move so much crap around. So yeah, uh, you know, just a matter of time before it might impact either the Rangers or this division. Like we just mentioned Washington and them being boneheads and fucking things up. So just a matter of time. <laughs> I know we all want hockey really bad, Tom, but Ooh, Ooh. ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Let's let's transition to things that were really good, um, which I'll was game two against things. the Islanders. Yeah, um, but first, our Tenny like, Panarin was, had had a good game. Butch scoring the first goal of the season uh, after they got shut out in uh, game one. That was nice to see. Capo Caco shooting the puck instantly, uh, scoring his first goal of the season. Really excited about it very good things um good things good things are good yeah it's a goofy game yeah, i think post- joe tweeted this where like there wasn't a lot of assists who's joe again yeah just some just some jerk off um like booch's goal his first goal was just one assist to mika uh panarin's goal that was that great play by brendan smith remember brendan smith everyone uh when when panarin was sprung for the breakaway then Booch's second goal, Tom, was unassisted, and Capo Caco's goal had two assists, and Panarin's goal had two assists. But it was weird at first because, you know, at the beginning of the season, we all look for things like, oh, he got his first point, he got his first goal, bop, bop, bop. And then, you know, to have two goals with one assist and then another goal that was unassisted, it was kind of goofy to have more goals than assists. And then, yeah, it's fun because a lot of the guys you're expecting to get on the board are getting on the board. Um, Fox very quietly, I think, has three assists in three games. Uh, I think Panarin's up to four points, and Booch is up to four points. And in large part, it was because what they did in this game, as you were saying, this was just a, it was just a nice, 
It was it was a classic Rangers Twitter moment where after the first game we're like ah fucking fuck fucking throw it away garbage <laughs> and then they roar back for a five to nothing shutout win it's like we fucking got this we're going all the way you know it's there's only there's only two directions the the fan base can go it seems there's not a lot of moderates where they're like oh we'll take it and try it it's more here we go bitches we're going we're gonna win or it's uh oh it's falling apart so yeah. It's it was really fun to see that um, and not participate in it. Um, and then it was also great, like you said, see Buchnevich get rolling like this is so fun. Um, he's just been making a lot of like he looks so confident with the puck on his stick right now. It's just awesome to see that he just looks like this player who's beginning to really embrace what he can do. And yeah, it's it's really fun to see him become this player we were all hoping he could be and like right now he's playing like a player who is better than i ever thought pavel buchnevich could be i thought the best pavel buchnevich we were gonna get was, was, was last year right like how good he looked for stretches of last year i was like yeah i'll take this version of pavel buchnevich but the fun three game small sample size of buchnevich thus far this year has been a, has been a blast to watch and his post game media availability was just fucking hilarious. Like how he's adorable. He's on. He's goddamn yeah, adorable. Yeah, and and the thing about it is, it's all done over Zoom, so it's just watching them listen to the question without anyone in the room, and he's just like he's a as obviously everyone knows, he's a very expressive guy. Like you know how Buchnevich is feeling, good, bad, or indifferent. There is never. Yeah any doubt in, in the mind of what is going on with Pavel Buchnevich and um, just like he definitely did look like the kid who in class just did not want to get called on. And, um, you know, <laughs> it's just cr- to his credit, he yeah. answered the questions the best that he could. And he was joking a little bit around um, because he was doing it with Panarin and Panarin was um, speaking in Russian and then, um, Bobrov was was translating, and I think at one point Butch was like, uh, "Can I answer in Russian <laughs> this time?" Um, but yeah, um, it was just a really nice overall game. When in the context of what everything in game one was, so it's it's like counter punching almost when you're uh, like playing tether ball, and you know it's just all the way one way comes all the way back swings and hits you in the face but in a in this case it was in the face of the islanders um which leads us to last night's if you are well rather we're recording this on a wednesday this will drop on a thursday so tuesday's game uh versus new jersey um just a uh interesting game where i feel like it's kind of a missed opportunity because you look at it and say there are a couple of goals that Gorgiev gave up that you kind of want back. Um, Tom, we had 50 just... shots. How did we lose? Yes, that that was the um, – and I, I forget what the, the stat was, but it was something like I think it was in single digits that the Rangers have had 50 um, shots on goal or more. I think it, it was in like the post-lockout era or, or something to that effect. Um, but yeah, Jack Hughes, uh, Had a Jack Hughes looks looked re- so good. really good. He was um, picking people's pockets. And, he was making the Rangers look like a joke. 
And it's fun, too, because we're going to hear about Jack Hughes, particularly in his relation to the Rangers and, of course, the Capo Caco thing forever. But I love that he looks like he's hitting a stride early. That's awesome. Uh, it doesn't yeah. also, you know what, Tom? It also doesn't help when you allow a goal 32 seconds into the game. Just not generally, <laughs> generally not good. I remember I was in a... Yeah, the Travis Zajac of all people. Yeah, I was on an NWHL media call when just it lined up like right at 7.15. And so like the game was just getting underway. And like while I was getting set up for my media call, I just heard my brother in the other room just be like, God damn it. And I was like, I just called out, is everything okay? He's like, Zajac scored. And I was like, oh, 30 seconds in? Okay, it's going to be one of those. Um, But yeah, it, it was like a couple of good things to take away. Like it's good to see Cried score. It's good to see Mika get on the board, Fox picking up assists, which is always good. Um, and then, you know, like you said, this was one that feels like it got away just because of what the Rangers were able to do. Um, it, it sucks to see Georgie get, you know, get pulled after, you know, the game he had against the Islanders where, you know, he had a shutout. But, um, yeah. It's it's been really interesting watching deployment so far, um, and watching where the ice time falls. Actually, I don't know. I'm of the opinion that Ryan Strom has looked like garbage so far. Um, yeah, yeah. And I try not to. Uh, I try not to jump on the Ryan Strom is overrated. Yada yada bandwagon because I feel like enough people pointed out that it's like you know we don't need me to bring it up, but he made a couple of decisions. Like there was a, I very rarely like live tweet during games unless I'm like trying to gift things. But then I see like Shayna does it faster and better. So I'm like, why do I even bother? Um, but like watching a play, the Rangers run a power play and a devil's player broke his stick and Strom had the puck below the goal line. And he forced a, like he rushed and forced a pass up through the slot that got picked off and then dumped away. And you, and you look at a play like that and you're like, what were, we, what were we even trying to do there, Stromer? Like, what was the objective of that pass? Like, he was going across to the other point. Like, you're not going to get a one-timer out of that. It's too far. Like, I, I didn't understand what he was attempting or what the... Like, he plays better hockey in his sleep than I do when I'm awake. I want to make clear. But I was really kind of confused by that. Especially in a game where the Rangers had so much time on the power play. They had so many opportunities. And just so far, Strom has been, you know, he's looked pretty rough, but I'm not surprised. It's just kind of disappointing because you would hope that he would continue to be like a reasonable stopgap while the kids get ready. But I think he had like, just looking at the basic box score here, he had like three giveaways and I still, is he still searching for his first point? I don't know, but um, it's not the start you wanted to see out of Ryan Strom. He is pointless in the statistical yeah. sense this year. Yeah. Not pointless as a player. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and the troubling thing is that he was having a rough night, and he still he ended up with the second most minutes among forwards, 21-21 in total. And then you have Heedle, who ends the game with just 13 minutes of ice time. And he's where... looked great. Every... He's, he's been yeah. one of the most consistent forwards so far in three games. In my opinion, yeah, he's I would say he's good. been one of their best forwards. Yeah, I don't think that's too much of a stretch. Like, uh, I know he just had like a secondary assist in game two, and then he had the the late goal here. And, but like, 
you know, I, I don't know, Tom. Uh, I am the more and more I watch of this, the more I'm of the opinion of like, let the kids get ice time. Like, if they get overwhelmed or if they're just getting like, you know, run over, then yeah, shelter them a little bit more. But in a game like this where it's, you know, you see how good Hedel looks and and Strom makes a mistake, like, yeah, if a veteran makes a mistake, sit him for a shift. Like, apply the same rules is what I'd like to see. Or if a veteran makes a mistake, give a kid an opportunity to make some noise and step into that role. That would be nice. Um, but yeah, so far as, you know, the Rangers are 1-2, and two, and this game was particularly rough because, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood stood on his goddamn head. What can you do, right? Um, and... I think he was it 47 saves on 50 shots. It's going to be hard when a goalie has a 940 save percentage when you throw 50 shots on that to win. Um, and this was a game that got away from Georgie. Like you said, a couple of those goals were just, uh, you know, it's kind of sucks to see. It was good to see Igor look good when he came in. And yeah, I don't know. It was. Like, there are aspects of this game that felt like, oh, yeah, the Rangers have good chances. It felt like overall the Rangers had more talent on the ice, but they weren't cohesive and they were still sloppy. Um, because, like, when they wanted to start, like, generating chances, it was it was there. But then, you know, they're getting all the power play opportunities and then uh, things kind of fell apart. So it's interesting to me. It's right. also been interesting. I want to just say for before I forget for games two and three to see how the uh, the power play time has kind of, you know, has landed on Truba and Fox in particular to see who's getting those opportunities and reps with uh, Tony out. Because I would, you I was kind of hoping we'd again, see. Because that's exactly oh, no, where go, I was going. You jump into it, yeah. You jump into it because I've talked too much. No, you've not talked too much. Just don't shut up, Tom. I'm talking silly. too much. But yeah, that and so. The one thing that I found confusing, and I was, you know, grateful that um, when I asked the question, uh, Vince, uh, you know, he pointed me in the direction of, you know, a story that he had written that I just had not seen or I had read and did not remember, um, you know, that happens. And the Rangers, obviously, they do this weird thing, or weird in my mind, maybe not in David Quinn's mind, where you have four right-handed shots on the first unit, one lefty shot, and then it's the inverse of that on the second unit. Um, and towards the end of the Devils game, as Shana pointed out, um, when they had the power play and then they had the man pulled, you had Buchnevich on one of the circles, and he was getting off a couple of chances. And her point was, that's an interesting look that they should revisit for pp1 because as constructed they're not looking to cross the royal road um and by crossing the royal road it's think of um there's a line from the goal crease outward that you know divides it so basically you want to cross that line to get the goalie move from side to side um because if a goalie's moving they've less chance to set themselves and um steve alicat has done work where basically yeah. your odds of scoring Capo Caco's goal was a the puck moved across Royal Road and the goalie struggled to get across to stop it and Capo Caco scored explained it a lot better than I was um but they're not looking for those opportunities it's almost like they are 
constantly cycling and that would make sense if you're always having right-handed shots so no matter what when the puck is moving you're going to end up with someone in a position to to shoot from that spot obviously with with Kreider being a guy who's going to try and screen in front um get the you know the rebound goals get the the tips and 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 whatnot um but then you have guys like Strom who have not looked good and then you have guys like Howden who are getting looks on the second unit who he's not yeah, really ever <laughs> looked good. Um, yeah, and I, like, I, I know some, I some, yeah. Um, like Lemieux's on that unit too, but I, I, um, I actually looked at it and his numbers were pretty decent, uh, on the power play last year. And I don't hate Lemieux on the power play too. Well, yeah, because he doesn't like what Kreider does and being in yeah, he's the a area. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, so, again, it's just little things that we're noticing. And um, I just don't get not having Kako on there because he was one of their better power play players last year in a smaller sample. Um, but he you know, finished in the top 10 in relevant metrics, whether it's Raw points, um, expected goals, um, you know, goals for. It's just you want to give them the opportunity because, like Quinn admitted, um, you know, he's not too concerned about Kako because he's going to be a big part of this team when it gets to where it wants to be. But now is the time that you just let him run wild. Like, I don't see the Devils putting restrictions on Jack Hughes. Um, I didn't really see the Blackhawks last year putting too many restrictions on Kirby Doc. And I get it. He was in the unique situation where um, statistically looked really bad. And there were no comparables because, you know, players of his cohort they just don't exist because you usually don't have someone that young be that bad who actually remains in the league. They either get signed to Hartford or um, they return to their, you know, whatever league. Um, so pulled off stage. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think he's, again, like he's looked a lot better. I know people are concerned. Um, I think Gautier's looked pretty good, although he just can't seem to buy a goal. Um, it's, yeah, he can't. I and think also, he's hit the post. Yeah, with Gautier, I think the real thing is I'm worried he's going to become a victim of this this deployment stuff with how much ice time he's going to get. Like, I think in game three, he got, like, under nine minutes. It's like, like, what did, why did we make the trade? <laughs> like, what are we trying to get out of Julian Gautier by playing him this way? Um, and like you said, the poor guy just can't buy a goal. Um but, uh, you know, overall, I've been like, yeah, he looks fine when I get to notice him when he's on the ice. But we haven't seen him on the ice a whole lot. So, And I think um, in, in terms of evaluation, we should end on a positive note. Um, I think sure. Keandre Miller has looked pretty decent. Um, looks, I know like I in game know, one. He shows flashes of looking great to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like there was some hesitancy in game one. He got burned for a couple goals against, uh, I believe he was on for three goals, four against the Islanders. And then last night 
or rather Tuesday versus the Devils, um, there were moments where he would get the puck behind the net and he's starting the breakout and he's um, looking confident in doing so. And um, like we've wrote about him, Adam's written about him. That's all you want to see. You want to give him the opportunity to play. You want to give him the opportunity to make mistakes, learn from those mistakes, because he's got to be someone of, of importance to this team. And it's just positive to see all the all the highs, all the lows, everything in between. And um, I, I just think that um, I've been impressed. And again, like it's hard to believe that this is someone that, who was playing hockey as a forward and was converted to defense. And he's holding his yeah, own at the no, NHL level. Yeah, and no, no taste of really anything other than straight from college to the NHL. And um, I think what's been interesting, like you mentioned the goals he was on for against, like I don't think he's made any like, oh, those are just like awful errors to make. I, like he has, you know, misstepped and made mistakes. But what stands out to me is he's made a couple plays where he was under a lot of pressure and he made a smart play. And those are the things I look for with like, especially young D when you see them do that, like problem solving on the fly when they're under pressure, they have like two, four checkers on them or something and they're able to make a play and like being confident enough to like pass it into areas where he knows it's a safe area not just at a teammate, but just to get the puck out of trouble when there's a window. He's doing a lot of things like that and like using his frame really well, doing all those little things where it's like, yeah, this kid's going to be special. And that's been very fun to see. I hope we continue to see him just stay in the lineup and, and get those reps because that's something I think all these kids need is they just need reps, right? And like I keep thinking about that. Um, like when the Rangers had the, the goalie pulled, I think it was, it might have been Sam, or, or Joe, one of them pointed like, like, like I don't think Lafreniere was out there for when the goalie was pulled at first, or they said like they should be looking for Lafreniere or uh, Panarin to shoot. And I was like, yeah, why is why does Lafreniere have like he finished that third game time with forty seven seconds of power play time? Ryan Strom had seven minutes of power play time. Yeah, it's what, it's Tom one Lott. of those things. That... <laughs> I, I don't why, know. Tom? I wish I, I knew. Um, but it was good to see Chandra. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know. Um, but yeah, even um, <laughs> one of the, like, you want to call it a mistake, but I don't really think it's a mistake. One of the goals against, and it was interesting to me because we've seen many times, you know, defenders, um, they, they like the... Um, you know the dropping down. They they like to do the, uh, you know the snowman. They you know, the, the yeah, yeah. all that stuff go on the, on the splits. Um, but Miller defended the two on one pretty well. He let his he made his guy take the shot instead of passing it, and it just what happened to be to a really good shot that went in. Where I can count, you know, all the times whether when it was the beginning, like Neil Pionk was learning. He would just drop down, and then it was really easy for the pass to be made, potentially yeah. pass back. But um, it's exciting, too, because it's he so brings in – yeah, like I think that's the thing also where we, we said this a little bit about Ryan Lindgren last year um, where the left side has just been 
a pit of nothingness since McDonough left. It was like oh. Mark Stahl and um, not much else there. I mean, you can say even as far back as losing Yandel as well, that that side has just been, again, a pit of nothingness. And now you have Lindgren. Now you have Miller. Mm -hmm. Because even for like after after McDonough, we're all saying, yeah, but we got Brady Shea and he'll that's what we'll start building around. And then it's like, ah, maybe we don't have Brady Shea. And now you're looking for someone to provide some fucking stability (laughs) on that left side of the defense. And like, yeah, Lindgren is is good, but he doesn't have like a, a ton of upside as someone who's like, oh yeah, like an all situations left side defender. Keandre can be that, and that's so fun to see. It reminds me of how we were getting like when we we're all looking at each other in the first couple of games of watching Adam Fox, when we we're like, holy shit, look at this kid, right? Um, like, there's not as much razzle dazzle to Keandre's game as there is to Fox's, just in terms of like puck skills and what he's going to do in the offensive zone, but they're just plays that he makes where you're like, yeah, yeah, this is what we want. Just want someone who's strong and confident and can make really smart plays. And he also has been skating well. Um, overall, I've been really pleased with him. I've been, like I said, there's a couple guys that have looked really strong. We don't want to read too much in the three games, but Tom, we've been a little hockey starved, so we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about three games as if it's been three weeks. So that's that's what you got this week, folks. Yeah, and if I were to end it on you know Miller, he's been competent and he's been confident, which is what you want to see um, out, out of out of rookies. And uh, they have obviously they're going to go on the the road upcoming now. Um, they're going to be playing Pittsburgh on on Friday. And that should be, you know, a test in and of itself. They'll actually have a pair of games against the Penguins in Pittsburgh. And then they play a pair against the Sabres. Then they come back, another pair against the Penguins. So we're starting to to, to see sort of the, the fun elements of this baseball-style scheduling where four of their next six games are against the Penguins. Um, so we will learn some things. We will get to see... Lafreniere play against Sidney Crosby and Crosby is a player that Lafreniere you know liked growing up um so you know we'll have that kind of a cool moment maybe he scores his first goal or picks up his first NHL point that would be, be kind nice. of cool um but you think yeah, they're gonna do that been... thing where like they get the they melt the ice from that game where he gets his first goal or point and they sell it in little vials on NHL.com you know that would be. I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, you know, they do that. trying to make they, money. They sell they sell melted ice on NHL.com, which to me is like the ultimate scam. It's just such a brilliant idea that someone had in marketing. Let's melt the ice. It's just water. I know, but the fans they think it's it's magic water. It's magic. You know, I'm surprised they've not come up with a way like let's melt the ice. Let's take the the water. Let's filter it. Let's do all these chemical things. Let's bottle it up and let's sell it. Like you can drink Madison Square Garden ice water. Taste that first goal. Remember that? Taste that goal. Yeah, that's horrifying <laughs> to think of. Oh my god. It is horrifying to think, and we might have just given away a free idea, but yeah, you know, oh well. If. Uh, I don't think they're hurting for ideas. They sell like zombie garden gnomes on NHL.com for God's sakes. 
Yeah. Until, like, you, you like cornhole? You want to spend $50 on a couple of bean bags? Sure. Anyway, enough dragging in NHL.com. We got patrons to read, don't we, Tom? We do. And uh, we're, as always, we're very thankful to uh, all of our patrons. Uh, we appreciate your support during the time there was no hockey. Um, we're very appreciative of all the support. We we understand those who have had to drop off, some who have re-added. Um, as always, whatever you can do, great. Whatever you can't do, no hard feelings. Um, we appreciate you being a part of this community. We appreciate you reading the site. Um, and we just appreciate all of your interactions because it, it makes uh, doing the show enjoyable um, because we, we we just appreciate what you get out of it. Um, and on that note, we have uh, some special names. Uh, a six-foot gap, Adam Nahoek, in Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, under Chicagoff, Andy White, Anthony Viola, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Daniel Gizen, Frank Menino, George Lippman, Jamie Bussell, Jason Silverman, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Predzapelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Rinchillo, Kevin Mead, Kushtastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matt Pumple, Matthias Olson, Michael Kennick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin2020, Patrick Landl, Perennial Powerhouse, Sammy Vogel Seidenberg, Sean, Stieg Bjalbeck, Stink Flamen, Tall Guy Rob, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Uh, thank you again for all your support. Um, I know there, I think we had a tweet go out this week for bannering points. We only got one. Um, that's something we definitely want to start doing again. So the one question we did get, I'm going to hold it um, for a little yeah. bit. Um, Put it in the mailbag, open it up later. Yeah. And obviously, uh, as the season goes on and, you know, the set, the schedule shakes out a little bit more, um, we'll, we're going to try and plan shows around uh, when games are not being played so that we are not having a show and then it's becoming instantly outdated. Um, I know we're going to have to work through some things um, as, as Mike's going to be a very busy boy um, with uh, the bubble in Lake Placid coming up. Um, I'd encourage people, if they haven't already, um, check out the Ice Garden. Um, we have um, their um, bubble content pinned to the front page of Blue Shirt Banner, but it's always good to just you know go in your browsers and go to the Ice Garden. Um, all the different writers that they have there, um, you know, Mike's one of them. Um, they're putting out this content, and if you've not given it a try yet. Um, this is the perfect time. It's going to be really cool playing at Herbrook's Arena in, in Lake Placid where the Miracle on Ice uh, was in, in 1980. And See, it's going to be... Yeah, because that has some historical uh, context. Yeah, that's and... special ice. That's the ice I drink. That's special like ice. The, I oh, the ice water that uh, Bobby Boucher has in the Water Boy. That's right. The, uh... it's, always it's always cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's going to be a fun tournament. You're going to have a lot of games in a shortened period of time. A lot of oh great God. athletes. Um, and the semifinals yeah, and final are going to be on NBC Sports. So um, if you're someone who's like, ah, I don't want to watch it on Twitch, well, uh, the semifinals, the two semifinals, and of course the final uh, NWHL playoffs are just one game showdowns. Um, so it's like football and other sports. So like 
if you're looking for some more hockey, if you're getting hyped about the NHL starting up, um, yeah, there's going to be some really good NWHL action to catch soon. It all starts on January 25th, and I'm going to be a very overtired boy, and Tom might have to find a guest co-host, but I'll do what I can to come around for the pod if I can. Yeah, and if you also, you guys have, you know, the availability to do so. I know the NWHL is sending selling some cool merch. I just got my hoodie yesterday, um, and I'll Ooh. have to be on the lookout for, for my cardboard cutout. Um, I bought one for, for the Riveters, um, so that should oh, be fun, fun too. Um, but yeah, um, as always, we're thankful for you. Mike, I'm thankful for you and uh, all that you do on and offline. Um, and... Uh, Yeah, I hope everyone, thank you. I hope everyone has a good rest of the week, good weekend, whatnot. Uh, Stay healthy, wash your hands, wear a mask, and uh, just be well. And take care of yourselves and uh, your family. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Let's go Rangers. Goodbye, folks. Let's go Rangers. Bye.